When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the show, we're going to do some reading, and it's not the kind of reading you did in English class. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. I'm Kevin. And I'm Abu. And today we're going to talk about Mass Effect. Absolutely. So I think what we did was you went through the codex and found three entries that maybe you forgot about or the ones that really like stuck out to you. And I did the same. I actually personally went back through a bunch of the codex entries and looked for some of the more obscure ones and the ones that I either didn't read the first time around at all or the ones that I completely forgot about. So those are my three. Okay, I took three that as soon as I first played the game, I read the codex like right away. Everything I'd, I'd find, I read. So the, fir- the three that I chose are the ones that stood out the most uh, for me. Uh, my first codex entry would be the mass relays. Uh, in the first game, uh, you don't really know what they are until you first use one. They are machines that are alien machines that we use to travel throughout the galaxy. Uh, we believe that they are created by a race called the Protheans. Not much is known about the Protheans in terms of who they really were. Their, their technology is all over the place, but the most noticeable piece of technology is the mass relay. Not every mass relay is actually activated. What uh, you can do is you can activate different ones once you come across it. Now, the thing to, about finding these dormant ones is that you actually have to travel to them without the use of a mass relay right sort of sort of like your classic travel point in a video game you can't jump to it until you physically walk to it and travel to it the old-fashioned way and discover it in the first place yeah they're the fast travel points of the galaxy (laughs) yeah yeah if we're talking video game terms yeah they're the fast travel points of the galaxy uh what's interesting is when you find one of these relays you don't really know where it's connected to on the other end either. So you sort of have to just close your eyes, take the plunge, and hope that you end up somewhere that's not incredibly dangerous for your ship. It's definitely a leap of faith whenever you jump into a mass relay, but it beats traveling the old-fashioned way, which even at light speed could take you years and years and years, decades, a century. I mean, the point of the mass relays is that it instantaneously jumps you from point A to point B across the galaxy, across the Milky Way, which expedites that travel time. For humans, the mass relay is really what propelled them into the galactic stage. Without that, they still would probably be stuck in our own solar system, um, and we wouldn't really be part of the galactic government or anything like that. Without the mass relay, human there is no story with humans. Yeah, uh, I mean, talking real-world scenarios, we still don't really know how to grapple with the idea of traveling through space in a way that's 
fast enough and efficient enough for us to actually travel long distances. I mean, there's theories around, can we warp space? And a lot of sci-fi will use warping space and time as a way to get around traveling these long distances. That's one thing about Mass Effect that immediately hit me as unique. They used these Mass Effect relays as a way to sort of get around that problem that we have in reality. Yeah, and for me, like, I don't know if you remember the first time you played Mass Effect. The first time for me was I was in my buddy's dorm room back in 2009, and he's he told me, hey, you should try this game out. And I was only able to play it for an hour, and I started my own character and everything, but uh, I was hooked automatically. And this, the codex was something that really got me hooked, um, as weird as that sounds, because it just explained stuff in a really great way. And I instantly knew what they were talking about and instantly was like, awesome, I'm on board, let's do it. So for me, the mass relay was the first one that really popped out. Okay, so let's jump over to my codex entry, at least my first one. So the first one that I chose was the codex entry on genetic engineering. And I don't think I honestly even read this the first time I played through the games. I read this and I was just like, holy crap, I didn't know this about the universe. And I, I, you sort of hear about this throughout the universe while you're playing and interacting with the story, but I didn't know there was an established lore behind it. So I actually want to read just a couple snippets of this codex entry on genetic engineering and some of the point out some of the things that I had absolutely no idea about. So genetic modifications and genetic engineering have been outlawed in the Mass Effect universe. And the reason for that is because it sort of went haywire. Like in the 20, it says in the 22nd century, the manipulation of the human genome became commonplace. So people were essentially creating custom built fetuses that were stronger and smarter and faster and more beautiful. Essentially, humanity realized that the inherent unique biology of Earth would be lost if we just continued to create these artificial beings. It says here that the, I'm going to mispronounce this act, but it's called the the Sudom-Wolcott Genetic Heritage Act was passed by the System Alliance Parliament in 2161. It imposed sharp restrictions on controversial uses of genetic engineering, but it provided government subsidies for beneficial applications. So at least as far as humanity is concerned, Genetic modification, once that technology came around, it just went way too far and it completely went out of bounds and over the top with the with the modifications and the custom-built humans and the custom-built pets and plant life and we lost some of the natural beauty of the of Earth's environment. That's really interesting because that you say like for humans it went too far and that they, you know, outlawed it because if you look at like the Solarians on the other aspect, like their genetic engineering, they don't care. They're still doing it. Um, Obvious example is the genophage, and we'll probably talk about that in another episode. But that's interesting that humanity, being as young as it is in the, like I said, galactic stage, the galactic community, they've already had all these rules put in place for genetic engineering. And I find that very interesting that humans had the know-how to say, hey, wait a minute, we should stop what we're doing um, and kind of preserve Earth. Yeah, and I think this codex entry in particular really stood out to me because 
it's almost have you heard of CRISPR? Oh yeah, I've heard of CRISPR, yep. Yeah, like this is maybe a reality that we might be dealing with in the next, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years with technology like CRISPR, with gene splicing and the sort of ex- like low-level experimentations that are happening right now in reality. I find it interesting because I'm looking at the codex right now and it's, it has three separate uh, sections for genetic engineering. It had screening and therapy, enhancement and engineering. And so for like screening and therapy, it says that there's specific for like diseases and in the medical aspect of it for preserving life and keeping people healthy, genetic engineering is okay. And then you have the other two like enhancement and it's improving of some natural human abilities is legal, but you're not really supposed to add extra abilities. That's not legal. And it's really just kind of improve on what we have. Don't just add stuff because then are you really human yeah i actually wanted to i'm glad you brought those three categories up because i wanted to actually talk about those briefly those seem to be the categories that are the exceptions to this rule so genetic modification and genetic engineering is outlawed except when it comes to like you said screening and therapy and fixing medical issues like cystic fibrosis or nearsightedness an enhancement. Now, this one seems like a little bit of a gray area to me because it says that it's okay to improve natural human abilities. It's legal to do that. So you can improve things like strength and reflexes, mental ability, and appearance, but you can't add something that's not naturally human to begin with. So you can't add, for example, something off the top of my head could be like night vision. You can't add that ability where it didn't exist in the first place. What do you think of that? Like, does do you think that gray area would still cause some issues? Or is that sort of something that, in reality, we should be okay with it too in, in the next, like, 30, 40 years when we have to deal with this issue? Well, I don't know if you saw in the Enhancement Codex part that it actually does say that it's free for Alliance military recruits but the average citizen must pay for the privilege. So it really is a privilege. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting moral moral sort of gray area and something we're going to have to f- come face to face with uh, in reality and, and I believe in our, in our lifetime. So it's I think this Mass Effect way to approach it is probably a reasonable way to approach gen- genetic engineering. I just don't think it's a realistic way because the fact that economics is going to be such a major part of genetic engineering is going to lead to increasing division. The poorer you are, the less competitive you can be against humans that are just better because their parents had the money to make sure that they grew up better than you, smarter, faster. They have longer lives they are immune to certain diseases. All the things that you as a, you know, a person who grew up in a, a poor family or a bad neighborhood didn't have access to. I think it would just create more divisions that the Mass Effect world sort of glosses over. And one of my later codex entries touches on that too, but we'll get to that later. Um, hit me with your second codex entry. Okay, so my second one would be the Prothean uh, runes on Mars. And I found this one really interesting because for me, it was the first time in, in the game's universe where we've found out that we were not alone, that there was life, uh, 
and it might be dead now, but there's life, and we found it, and it takes place, basically what happened was um, humans created outposts on Mars, and we were doing a lot of research, and we came across some ruins that were of alien origin, obviously, and even today, we're still talking about that. If we're gonna, are we alone, you know, can we find some microbiology? Um, in this universe, they found ruins of a whole entire civilization. Yeah, that's mind-blowing. Like, they didn't just find some little microbes in some liquid on Pluto, you know, like they found a literal structure left behind by another intelligent spacefaring race. That's got to shock humanity to its core. And this is something that I weirdly think about quite a bit. I'm not sure how people would actually react to realizing that we are not alone in the universe if that day ever comes. Like you, you think you know how you'll react Maybe you think you'll be excited, maybe you'll be afraid, maybe you'll look forward to talking to them, but how do you how do you actually react to such a fundamental sort of crack in your understanding of the universe? Does that make sense? Yeah, I I, I mean, for me personally, I'd be ecstatic. I'd be so happy. I'd, I'd, I'd think it was the coolest thing. The way I see it is that if you look at media now and entertainment, almost everything that we watch has some sort of sci-fi involved. Um, all the superhero stuff that's out right now, sci-fi, there's aliens, and we don't have any problem with it. Like, we, we're easily able to suspend our disbelief that, oh, hey, this is a talking tree that says, I am Groot over and over again, you know? Um, whereas, that's why I see, like, our our generation maybe um, might be a little bit more comfortable with it because we have been bombarded with it so much in our media that we we're more accepting of it. I don't know about the older generation, because if you look back in like the 50s and stuff, uh, Green Men on Mars was a little freaky. But um, I think it would be pretty cool. I think, I mean, I think finding genetic material would be really, really cool, because we'd get a better understanding of the actual organism. But man, finding an entire like city, for instance, would just be mind-blowing. Yeah, that would rock humanity to its core. And I'm with you. I'm in the same boat as you when it comes to excitement about an alien race, about finding out that we are not alone in the universe. But the one caveat I have to that is I have a little bit of hesitation when it comes to also realizing, oh my God, humanity is not alone in the universe. Because up until now, or at least up until the moment that humanity actually comes in contact with another race... We think we're special. We think we're unique. And suddenly we may not be the biggest, baddest race or species in the galaxy. One of the things that I found really interesting about the Prothean Runes uh, Codex entry was the fact that they found out that this was a bioscience observation post that was built when Homo sapiens were first evolving on Earth. We're a little blip in the time span of the universe so humans being on Earth is really a short amount of time. And the fact that this outpost has been here since we started evolving, that's like, that's not that long ago. In, in the grand scheme of space and, and, and all that, that's not that long ago. To sort of turn that around into what we are doing in reality, that's sort of what we're trying to do, right? Like when we find 
proof of whatever tiny little microorganism on whatever planet, whether it's in, uh, you know, within our solar system or in the Milky Way galaxy at large, we could be essentially the Protheans, right? Like maybe we are looking at this other species that will, will be around once we are all gone. And that, that to me is super interesting to think about. Okay, you want to talk going deep into it. Man, you're really going deep into it right now. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's one of two options, right? Like we are either the Protheans and we are the most advanced race in the galaxy and everyone else isn't here yet. Or we are like humanity is in Mass Effect and we are the race that's sort of behind everyone else and everyone else is thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of years ahead of us, which both possibilities possibilities are extremely scary to me yeah it's the observed and the observer it's it's really it's it's mind-boggling to still think like oh wow you know we're not alone or something like that but to find out that not only are we not alone but we were being watched this entire time is also kind of creepy yeah absolutely Okay, so I want to hit you with my second codex entry, and it sort of relates to the first one. And I'm realizing that of the three that I chose, um, there's a little bit of a theme running through all of them. So the second codex entry that I picked was Citadel Station Foundations. And the reason I picked this was for the same exact reason that I picked the first entry. I don't think I ever read it the first time I played the game, and... This is the first time that I'm realizing that this entry exists. So let me give you a quick summary of it. So essentially, the entry says the undersides of the wards, which is the area that you get to visit in Mass Effect 2, between the inhabited superstructures and the impenetrable outer hall are called the foundations. These dangerous areas are filled with life support systems and power plants. Officially, only the keepers are allowed in the foundations, those little critters from Mass Effect 1. In reality, though, the Foundations are the slums of the Citadel, home to criminals, minorities, transients, and the occasional stateless, stateless exiles. Some stay in the Foundation of their own will, others end up there when the opportunity that they sought on the Citadel does not come. And this, to me, was super interesting, because in Mass Effect 1, you're presented this utopia you're presented this utopian future the citadel is beautiful you really only get to go to the presidium which is where the higher echelon of society lives and resides on the citadel is the presidium that's where the government seat is that's where the wealthy patrons uh, hang out and that's where you are introduced to the citadel and the world and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. There's waterfalls, it's pristine and clean and everything is whitewashed and it's it's this perfect utopian future. And then Mass Effect 2 was billed as this like darker, grittier and more down-to-earth version of Mass Effect, but you go to the wards. You spend a little bit of time in the Presidium and then you get to see the wards and you get to see a little bit of the underbelly of the Citadel. But I found this codex interesting because we don't truly get to see like the deep, dark, low life on the Citadel, which is at least based on this entry, the foundations, right? Like this is where like the poorest of the poor, the outcasts of society, the worst of criminals end up, which is the, this foundation. 
underneath the wards, and we never actually get to see that in Mass Effect. I mean, I can only imagine what the slums on the Citadel would look like, because the Citadel, the architecture for it, if you if you just look at it, is everything is done a specific way, and it's it's like you said, it's very utopian. So the fact that it even has slums, for me, that's just kind of like whoa. There really is some, like it. It almost feels as if you are a normal citizen on the Citadel who doesn't really see the slums because it's like the government's almost trying to hide it. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. I love the line in this codex entry that says, "Others end up here in the foundations when the opportunities that they sought on the Citadel do not come," which to me makes me sound like these people from around the galaxy come to the Citadel looking for jobs and a future and the quote-unquote American dream, the Citadel dream, and then that dream falls apart and they end up in the foundations or the wards in this like shitty, awful part of the galaxy surrounded by other people who just couldn't make it in the Citadel. And as somebody who lives in New York, that is just like, that hits really close to home because so many people come to New York looking for the dream to create their futures, to to chase whatever their ultimate goal in life is. And you just get stuck bussing tables for the three years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just get stuck doing whatever needs to get done to make ends meet. And that's what the foundations really hits me at. Okay, so let's wrap it up with our final codex entries. What's your last one? Okay, so my final one is the one that I found probably to be the most interesting. It's the one that I saved. It's the it's the best for last, if you will. Um, it is the First Contact War. And the whole thing about the, the First Contact War is we not only made First Contact with an alien species, but we instantly started a war with them. Um, or if that technically, technically they started a war with us, but I don't want to sound like a normal Mass Effect human here. But uh, basically what happened was humans kept activating dormant um, relays and we had come across another dormant one one time and we decided to start activating it. And a Turian uh, vessel found us doing that. And in the actual galactic government, it is illegal to just activate dormant relays because you don't know what you're going to find. So when the Turians found us doing it, they instantly started just attacking us. Um, they were not about us uh, activating anything. Um, it was our first contact with any alien race, so that was a pretty big deal. Um, and aside from just finding a broken-down civilization on another planet, we found actual living aliens. So that's like... First off, that's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. talking about rocking humanity to its core. <laughs> yeah, now we're actually interacting with somebody. Yeah, speaking on that note about the Turians just doing what they thought was right, it sounds like this entire conflict, and based off this Codex entry, the First Contact War was just a three-month affair. It was just a three-month conflict that essentially ended with the Citadel Council intervening and ending it before it blew up into this massive interplanetary Turians wiping out the humans, the humans wiping out the Turians' massive war. But it sounds like it all sort of started because of miscommunication. It was a whole entire misunderstanding. Yeah, it sounds like the Turians were just stopping humanity from breaking galactic law. 
humanity didn't know there was galactic law and didn't know about the rest of the world, you know, the rest of the galaxy and was just expanding as humans do and decided to fight back against a force that they thought was instantly being hostile against them. And neither side, one side was defensive, one side was just following the rules. I can sort of see how both sides is like, this is not our fault. Well, the thing is, I mean, the game does it great. All all the games, no matter what Mass Effect game you're playing, there is always a reference to the First Contact War. Um, and it does a great job of kind of showing relations between Turians and humans. Um, there's always some bad blood there. Turians kind of really, I, I would say humans take it a little bit more to heart than Turians. Just because the humans, for them, it was just like, you attacked us with, you didn't, like you said, you didn't even try to make contact with us. You just automatically started attacking us. And to Turians, it's more of a safety measure. A human activating a mass relay, a dormant relay, could just lead to another Rachni kind of situation. Yeah, for sure. Still, not a, not a great way to, you know, not, not the ideal first contact situation. So I want to move on to my final codex entry, and I want to keep this one brief because A, we're running low on time, and B, my last one is about biotics, and I think this just deserves an episode on its own. So the final codex entry that really stood out to me, and I think I actually read this one, I vaguely remember reading this one while I played the games. So of the three, this is this is one that I sort of knew about going in beforehand, but still really interesting. The one I chose was Biotics, Life as a Biotic, and this basically lays out the life of a biotic. So biotics possess extraordinary abilities is what it says, but they must live with minor inconveniences. The biggest thing, and probably the one thing that I want to briefly talk about, was the final paragraph in this codex entry talks about how human biotics actually face a lot of uh, suspicion and persecution. They're, they're these outsiders in human society. There's a lot of reasons for that, but the main ones that it gives are basically people that are extremely opposed to gene modification or cybernetics, or they're philosophically or religiously opposed to the idea of humans evolving beyond the abilities of humans that we have come to know over the past you know, thousands of years as humans have evolved. So I thought it was just interesting that if you're a biotic, you're this outsider in Mass Effect society. And really the military is the only path in life that you have because that's where you're accepted. Well, there, that's kind of an ongoing theme in Mass Effect is acceptance because the whole galactic government, specific species are not accepting of humans Humans are not accepting of genetic modified humans, biotics. Um, but the one thing about the game for acceptance, the theme, is Shepard and his team. He's got humans on his team. He has Turians. He has Quarians. He has, um, I mean, hell, he has an AI, two AIs. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's very much like he doesn't care what species you are. It's your abilities and the way you work is what he cares about. Like, what do you bring to the team? And that is such a beautiful note to wrap up on. 
Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. We want to thank you all for tuning in and being a part of the show. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at lore underscore party and leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.